Welcome to Songs and Stories, the Not For Musicians Only music podcast. Hey there, welcome once again to Songs and Stories. My name is Michael Gaither, and this is Songs and Stories, episode number 44 this time out. If you don't mind a little self-confession, I'll let you know that I, uh, I have this rule about keeping the computer off on Sunday, and, and, I'm, and I'm actually breaking it this morning. I usually break it every Sunday, but it's sort of a nice guideline to have. And once in a while, I actually, I'm actually successful in staying off the computer for a whole day. But I'm looking at the calendar of uh, the month of October in front of me, and I'm realizing that we've got a lot of band gigs. I talked about those in the last episode. We're going to be really busy this month playing locally at the the Honey Farm and Rudon Smith Winery. I'm going to be at Don Quixote's. There's going to be some band practices coming up. So um, I thought I'd get at least this one podcast in before the month gets away from me. Also, besides the besides the shows, my new CD Dog Speed is really in the final stages. I have a, a actually a, a pre-final mix in my hand in front of me, and um, kind of listening to that, doing some final tweaks. So hopefully by if not the end of this month, definitely November, we'll have something to put up on the website and do some songs and stories episodes about these individual songs for the new release. But for today, I thought we'd talk with Corinne West, Americana singer-songwriter Corinne West, who came by the house a few months ago. Um, this was one of those interviews where actually her publicist contacted me, which was which was kind of flattering and kind of fun. He found my website and his podcast and the interviews, and he said, you know, I think you two have some, have some friends and people in common, and you'd probably like to talk to Corinne. So as, as usual with these interviews, uh, months and months of trading emails and trying to find a time to talk went by. And um, she came by earlier earlier this summer, I believe, her and her band. She was doing a couple of Monterey and Santa Cruz shows. If you've ever, ever wondered what it's like to, um, what it might be like to leave home in your teens and take to the road and become a full-time musician, here's your chance. Corinne's got a pretty unusual story. She grew up in Southern California and then took off with some folks who kind of became her sort of really safe surrogate family and took to the road for quite a few years, learned a lot about that, and then started playing music, playing in bands, and as you'll discover in this interview, she kind of found what I think a lot of people might go through, is you play with bands, and if you start doing your own things, your own songs, you, you have to figure out, you know, is everybody behind this as much as me? Um, and I found with bands, too, and talking to people that, you know, some people have day jobs that pay the bills, uh, going off and playing on the roads, sort of, a, it's a big gamble, and it's a, it's, it's a rough life, so some people will go into that, and some people will just sort of stay close to home. Corinne decided to just really go for it, become a solo artist, and... Um, She's been touring for quite a few years now. You'll find out the whole story in this interview. Uh, Corinne has two CDs out. She has the 2004 debut release, Bound for the Living. And then a a few years later, she recorded the 2007 release, Second Sight. And they're both uh, a really nice mix of kind of with an Americana bluegrass, but there's some Celtic and some ballads thrown in. And we actually talked about the Americana genre in in this talk as well. So we'll kind of talk about some of her musical influences and... um, some of the eclectic musical choices on her CDs, which make them a really fun listen. 
I want to remind you before we get started with Corinne that if you go to my website, michaelgather.com, it's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com, there are links to Corinne's website, her CDs, kind of what she's what she's up to right now. Currently, she's touring in the UK on her second tour in, the, in England, and then she'll be back here, I think, in about a month, and she'll be up in Canada. But go to my website, and there's links to all that stuff, as well as some of the things that we'll be talking about in this interview. So for this two-part interview, we're going to talk with Corinne, and then um, we'll come back for the second part and have her and her band play a little bit in my living room. So let's get started. Here's the title track off her current release, Second Sight, and then we'll talk with Corinne West. I was moving on four wheels, quicksilver in the middle of the night. I was after a good thing that I lost. Finally, yeah, you do. <laughs> we talked about this on what six months ago. Yeah, I think Patrick got a hold of me. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll chat for a while, then we'll have you guys play a couple of tunes. That sounds great. Okay, so let's just go back at the beginning. Um, I was reading your bio. I, lo- I love your new CD, by the way. Thank you. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. So how'd you leave Quincy and join a bus and start touring at fifteen? Talk about that a little bit. You bet. Um, well, and you're from Quincy originally, or no. the Sierras? Okay. No, 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 no. But um, I figured. Home is not necessarily where you're brought up. It's just where you end up sure. finding a home, and yep. so that's you know that area is is uh, is my home, um, one of them. But uh, I originally was in Southern California, and oh, I okay. left home um, left home from down there, and um, yeah, and so that's that's how I actually went to a show up in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and left home at that show. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was a man who was living on a converted school bus. Oh, okay, and that was the bus. Yeah, and he okay. um, he had two kids with him, a two-year-old and a three-year-old, and he was uh, originally a really well-off millionaire in Chicago mm-hmm. in real estate, and he gave away all his belongings. He had ten years prior given mm-hmm. away everything, and. Um, Went on the Larry King show and then set out to live this kind of nomadic, life. nomadic spiritual life. And um, so I met him mm-hmm. at that point and asked him. Um, at, at that point, he was also involved kind of with the Hopi Nation and with mm-hmm. um, Native cultures and doing a lot of doing peace work basically. Oh, okay. And so I had asked him when I met him to show me the ways of 
living on the road and yeah. um we agreed that he would be like my father figure mm-hmm. and so i was going to be basically just like the other older older kid on the bus yeah. and he would treat me in that in that way so that it was still kind of it was interesting cause it was still pretty parental mm-hmm. in that way so um, it was safe it was really safe yeah. um but i had a, a you know, unconventional but safe yeah but i had a ton of responsibility as well because there were two little kids and so i mean it was definitely um it was definitely its own its own experience but yeah. it, was, it was really cool it's right. beat high school for me high school kind of sucked for me mm-hmm. yeah. sucked for everybody <laughs> I've, I've actually met some people that had a great time but they were Parts usually of it were okay. yeah usually there were usually people that there's moments were like, yeah. i was a creative kid and my parents you know kind of fostered that or i was really into science and it was usually with kids that had i don't know Somehow it worked out. It didn't work out for me, but yeah. I made something else work out. <laughs> what was the show in San Francisco? It was a Grateful Dead show okay. at the Civic Center, I think. Okay. Yeah. And how long was the was the bus experience? How long did you travel on that? Um, on for the better part of three years. Okay. Um, and you were already playing years. guitar and writing songs from a young age, correct? I was well. I was always singing as a kid, uh-huh. and then with the guitar, um, I had just picked. I had just gotten gifted a guitar um, for my birthday. Um, at that that year, mm-hmm. so I brought that guitar with me. Yep, and then just started. I mean, I was just playing, mm-hmm. you know, the, the best I could do around three chords and learning simple songs. And so I wasn't really writing my own stuff. I would, mm-hmm. I had written like one song or something, but and, and hadn't really considered myself in that vein. Mm-hmm. It was just more playing songs that I loved. And that's how everybody starts. Yeah. Yep. And at it, some it, point, you go. What if I could write a song? Yeah. Or I kind of want to do this. Or yeah, say this. Or yeah. Or you don't find a song that says what you want to say, so you got to make it up yourself. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Then it goes from there. And you played in bands for a while. Yeah, I did. I played in, uh, when I was, uh, once I came off the road, I ended up um, moving up to the mountains outside of Los Angeles, and then I ended up uh, back in L.A. County for, uh, for a short term, and I was in kind of a progressive alt band mm-hmm. at that point, and then I moved to the High Sierras, and I was in a... Celtic band and I played in a bluegrass band in Santa Cruz here for a while. Which band was that? I went to school. The um, Dead Redwoods. Okay. Um, what year was that? Uh, I, that's a good. I'm horrible <laughs> with years. I'm really bad with that. I can never track when things happen. I just know that they did. A while ago. Yeah, and um, but that was over at UC Santa Cruz. Um, uh, that was a three piece, and so I was playing mm-hmm. with those guys. They were really neat. Um, and then I was in another rock band. Yeah, so it kind of touched on a lot of different Yeah, so to go from alternative to, to bluegrass to Celtic back to rock, Americana is the obvious yeah. place you end up. Yeah, well, I realized that what it really um, hooked on is to like, I just like the stories. Yeah, that's, that's like my story. thing, the stories. But I, I like Americana because, you know, it's, it's not quite folk. It's not like quite bluegrass. You mm-hmm. can do kind of a bluegrass tune, but you're not a bluegrass band, so if you don't have a banjo, it's okay. Yeah. You can do something kind of Celtic, but not, or the same. You can it can be kind of country, but not. Yeah. I think you, you have a lot of room. You have a ton of room. I mean, on this record, yeah. Second Side, it's like there's a blues number, there's a kind yeah. of Celtic six eight number, there's some bluegrass numbers, and it's all kosher because you're not fitting cool. into one narrow style. Yeah, I love that. It's a lot. It's a ton of flexibility. Yeah. But it's funny because some people will listen to one tune and they'll be like, "She's a bluegrass artist." I'm like, "No, no, no. It's not. I'm, I I pay tribute to it. I love yeah. bluegrass. Yeah. Hats off to it." And I want to be able to participate in the form 
like, in this tune, yeah. but then I'm going to be able to peel out and do something else. And the people who are, you know, diehards, I think, in any given form are, you know, they have, they have, there's certain, there's a certain huge body of knowledge that goes with anything right. if you're a strict blues or a strict bluegrass. Right. And I don't have, you know, I don't have the... I don't have even the, the proper education in any of those mm-hmm. forms to say, well, I'm really an artist that's coming out of that form particularly. Right. So Americana, I think, gives you a gives you a broad, sweeping brush to you, be able to play with everything. Either there's a lot of flexibility or you can just halfway do anything you want. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Well, and at the same time, then you're creating, but then you're creating something that's also new. It's also new. It's also new. Yeah. So um, it's cool. I like it. The, yeah. I think the word Americana music is kind of funky, but yeah. um, it just doesn't quite, I don't know, because you, you meet people in, Cana- in, Ca- in Canada, that's funny, or in Canada or whatnot that are doing what you would consider Americana music, and then it seems like it's only hooked in with America, I don't know, but I, right, I, I right. think the word could be better, but I'm, I don't know what else to call it. Seems it seems to have stuck, I, it's, I think it's an easy genre to explain, Yeah. so it, it, t- it tends to work. Yeah, it's American yeah. Roots, it's kind of American Roots fusion, isn't it? Yeah, Roots is a good word for it, yeah. too. I think Roots is good. Yeah. We were talking about Stevie Coyle earlier, and I think when I interviewed him last year, we were talking about the idea of the purist, you know, in those certain mm-hmm. art, in those certain music forms. And, um, you know, the joke about Strawberry is always the bluegrass Nazis. So, like, last yeah. year when Michael Front and Spirit took the stage, half the meadow cleared out, half the state, and went, oh, this is freaking Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah. You know, huh, so. I didn't hear about that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Some people get really tied to, I think, tied to wanting to hear a form in its pure, in mm-hmm. its, in its pure element and and I mean I, I can understand it but I certainly yeah, I like both I certainly wouldn't walk away if Michael Fronty would I, I know I know in the meadow ass. I know it's like <laughs> Could you have a better show than Michael Fronte in Yosemite? I don't know, man. That's just that's the stuff. That's a very spiritual being too. Yeah. I mean, he's he's doing some amazing stuff. Yeah. yeah. So like, so you you've been so you played in bands for a while and decided to go off and just do your own thing. Well, yep. Yeah, basically, uh, kind of short story long is that. Uh, I got tired of um, bands breaking up or being a project and we'd start to get some momentum and I was not doing music full time mm-hmm. at that point but I started to feel like I would I wanted to see where a band could go and I yeah. would start to get more gung ho about it and start to say, Well we should you know, maybe if we do this and this then we mm-hmm. might get this and that of an outcome which might equate to right. actually being able to do something with this besides just being you know, just, just toying with it. Playing a few local places and you know. yeah, and and essentially, I, got, I ended up always frustrated because either people didn't want to work on the music or there or whatever. There was just yeah. always a conflict, and that I came up against what seemed to me to stop to stop the momentum from me being able to figure out what could actually be done. Right. And so I said, oh well, how, you know, what's the way around this? And I said, forget it. I'll just start writing and see what Getting happens. Do my own stuff, and then if I want to quit, then you know I can fire myself and we'll get on yeah. with it there. <laughs> do something else. No, no conflict, no problem. Um, and so I started writing, and then uh, this whole thing opened up. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, there's there's this and this, and then it, and then it just kind of has gone from there. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious. In bands, were you the person sort of driving and managing and, and scheduling, or was it more democratic? Or yeah, well, it was more democratic, and it was also like just a hobby for me at the uh-huh. time. So I didn't really invest in it, and I think okay. I also saw that anytime. I tried to start to spearhead to say, "Hey, let's, let's start to take this out of town, or let's let's you know let's go in a certain direction." That yeah. it was whatever I, whatever walls I was coming up against, it was just kind of was more self-preserving and realized that it wasn't gonna That's wasn't gonna take fruit. So I just kind of said, "Nah." Yeah, it was probably hard to invest a lot of yourself in it when you saw it wasn't gonna go mm-hmm. any farther too. So. Yeah, it's like beating your head against the wall. So yeah. I just 
created my own pick your battles thing <laughs> to do. Yeah. And I'm really or control happy. what you can, whatever the cliche is. Yeah, yeah. I'm just happy. I'm just really happy to, to, to be doing it this way. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. it's it's a lot more. It's a lot more to do mm-hmm. starting from the ground up on by yourself. But by the same token, it's 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 working and mm-hmm. it's it's fun and and um and I'm just you know I'm not interested in stopping. So I get to find, I get to find out where that where it will go. Very cool. And so the first CD, I remember hearing about the first, the first CD got a lot of buzz around here. People, you mm. got to hear this girl, Corinne. Awesome. And how long did the first CD take? And kind of what was the story behind the behind um, Bound for the Living? Yeah, that was um, that was done in 2000. Came out in 2004. I was mm-hmm. making it in 2003, and that's when I got this first body of songs. And mm-hmm. this is kind of like, well, damn, here they are. You know, I've got my 13 something. songs. You know, yeah. so I just put them down, and so I taught myself. Um, just kind of went through channels and talked to people and actually did work with some folks down here um, mm-hmm. uh, to record some stuff and, you know, got sent in different directions and hit some dead ends and then hit some more good doors and went through I think through the first week's a huge learning curve. It was massive. It was completely massive, and I produced it myself. Yeah. Um, so that was massive, too. But I ended up working with some great people, and uh, and then once it hit the street... Um, it, I did get a lot of great feedback from it, um, mm-hmm. and in this area, and 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 all over, and uh, so that kind of informed me. That I think I read Bob Harris picked it up too. And yeah, it he sure anyone. did. Yeah, he sure did. He started playing it in 2004, and then I ended up going in 2006. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. He's ended up being quite a. I mean, I don't know. I think it's safe to say that he's been quite the quite a champion. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I mean, he's been just really, you. really supportive. Yeah. I just got back from seeing him, actually. Oh, nice. Yep. In England? Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. I was just there for yeah. two months. Yeah. I think the, fir- the first CD, especially if it comes out good, it's, it's, it's sort of the ultimate business card. You just, yeah. You know, I know for me, when I when I finally had the first one, then that's when I started finding places to play. Right. I think until that, you're just a guy with a bunch of songs. Oh, another one of these guys. You get songs. You got a notebook. That's great. Yeah. Once you have something down and the people seem to like it, then mm-hmm. you get some credibility. Yeah. You can have to have, it's going to have to have something that people can sit with. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like being a builder and not quite having a house done, but having that's a bunch exa- of good that's ideas. That's a perfect metaphor. Yeah. yeah, they need to be able to see the house and walk through it and go, "Oh, this is this is cool. I want to yeah. I want to live in one of these or whatever. Yeah. Build Thir- one." Yeah, thirteen year songs. That's your portfolio. Yeah, so you get out there and then people can sit with it in their own time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And the new one, you've got a bunch of Bay Area ringers on this one. I do. I got I, a, I mean, the crew. I adore Chris Webster and, yeah, and Tony Furtado. And then is yeah. Mike Marshall Bay Area based too? He is. I thought so. Yeah. yeah. So how did you end up meeting him and how did this come together for the new CD, Second Sight? I met him downstairs at um, the Great American Music Hall. Um, and there was a band playing upstairs and, and I was uh, downstairs kind of backstage and I think the band was on break upstairs but Mike was there visiting mm-hmm. I think and um, I was just with some other friends and, and him Mike and Chris Thiele were playing a song down there and so there's a pot of people kind of surrounding them listening and mm-hmm. digging it and my, my friend of mine looks at me and she's like I dare you to go and play a song go on Craig, go play a song with them it's like you're out of your mind I said I don't have a guitar I mean I was just mm-hmm. visiting right yeah. just hanging yeah. out and I said I don't have a guitar and you know they're obviously got their their whole 
groove on, you know, you just bust in. Yeah. And um, and then she said, well, why don't you grab the one from the from the opening band? It's right there in that room. I was like, well, that's a good way to get shot, you know. Sure. It's like, <laughs> just grab somebody's good... Time. They don't care. They don't care. It's all right. Drink their beer, too. So, so buy uh, a car. <laughs> so, but then I saw the guy walk by, and I said, uh-huh. hey, you know, do you mind if I use your guitar? Yeah. And he said, um, no, not at all. Go ahead. He said, well, you got to pick. And then he's kind of looking at me <laughs> yeah. like, Jesus, annoying. And so I just went for it, grabbed it. And the pick he gave me was like as thick as a slice of meatloaf. The, the thing giant was, turtle shell thing. Just huge. And so I okay. couldn't keep it in my hand. But yeah. I, I busted into their, you know, their jam and asked them if I could play a song. And they, you know, kind of didn't say anything at first, ignore me. And then I stepped in again and said, hey, you guys can play if I want to be. And so I played World Work Ahead. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about it was that I kept dropping the pick because it wasn't my guitar, it, was, it wasn't it was my huge. pick, and it was huge, and that was mortifying. But nonetheless, it was still a fun song to sing. And so I gave them, um, I gave them a copy of my first album, mm-hmm. and then uh, a few days later, Mike was over in Berkeley at a coffee shop, standing in line, um, and he was talking to a woman about graphics and mm-hmm. the gal who was serving coffee said ah, I know some graphics and she slapped down didn't know who Mike was yeah. slapped down a flyer she's like you should check out these graphics and Mike said hey wait a minute we just got her record we've been playing it at the house and and he looks he's like does she need a producer or something and, so he liked it. and Sarah looked and said you know she said well I don't know she's looking for people who are talented and people who are nice and she had no idea who Mike was. <laughs> yes <laughs> and so then my manager at the time are you any good got, you yeah exactly anything? you know how to play so it's looking back at it it's just it's hilarious but that's how it happened long story that's great Nothing happens by accident. No, uh-uh. No, no you got to keep your, keep your eyes open. Yeah, yep. intentional coincidences. Keep your eyes open. Yeah. Um, really quick, to, before we start hearing a couple of songs, what are your influences? Who, do, who did you listen to? And, and especially as far as song, I mean, because I, I like how the fact that you've got Celtic and bluegrass and, mm. and probably folk influences, but who do you look to as a songwriter that you admire and... Well, I think that... Well, or who were you playing at an early age? The so. earliest stuff was was my mom singing me to sleep every night. I just couldn't, I couldn't go down unless she she was singing. And all those were kind of the old lullaby songs, mm-hmm. which all, often, actually, if you look back at them, a lot of them are pretty pretty dark, but mm-hmm. they're old. Rocket by Baby, The Cradle Up in the Tree, what the hell were they thinking? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, there goes the baby, the baby's dead. Good night, daughter. Yeah. But sleep tight, don't worry. Sleep tight. We'll take good right. care of you. Well, I'll be sure and catch you if you fall. <laughs> but, um, so those are all, all old, basically old folk mm-hmm. folk music. And um, and then what was playing in, in my house was, you know, my folks would play... I think the 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 stuff that they were listening to when they were growing up, which is more the Beatles and um, and that and uh, what else were they listening to? They're like the Beatles, and we had uh, gosh, I'm drawing, I always draw a blank at this question for the some reason. Old Kingston Trio, old folk, that kind of thing. Um, some old folk, but more more in the pop kind of vector. Okay. Like they were listening to more um, like Rolling Stones and Beatles, and mm-hmm. so there was a lot of kind of rock and roll type of stuff. Um, but it was usually just me sitting down and playing the stuff and sitting in a corner mm-hmm. and looking through their their collection because it wasn't it wasn't a household where there was music playing all the time mm-hmm. or anything so I just got hooked and then I got hooked on Judy Garland I got hooked on musicals in terms of you know really beautiful big women's voices mm-hmm. and um, yeah and the songs that carried a story probably too if it was the mm-hmm. musicals yeah yeah like the Wizard of Oz was a yeah. huge huge running theme for me as a kid and <laughs> kind of still is I like that story a lot so yeah. Very cool. So, are you doing um, as far as are you touring 
nationally? Are you going to England a lot? What's kind of your, yeah. your itinerary looking like this next year? It's inter- it's based, it is international. I just spent almost two months over in the UK. Good for you. And um, I was there last year for four weeks, mm-hmm. and then I tour um, all across America. Um, about 70% of the year and later this year I'll be going to up to Canada and I'm going to the Yukon and then I'm also going up into Alaska which which should be really cool Uh, and then in January I'm going to do a tour in Spain and then I'll go back and do um, go back into Scotland, England and Mm -hmm. Ireland for a festival next festivals next year so Mm -hmm. it's um, it is it is opening up I just got a new um, agent over in the over in Scandinavia so we're going to be visiting Norway and Denmark and so it's it's really opening up, but mm-hmm. I, I really like being I like playing here, but I also really like being overseas. Yeah, yeah, those tours are very successful over there, and there's a big audience for it too. Mm-hmm, and they love the music, and they come out, and there's an avid, you know, there's not there's not kind of there's no lethargy around going to live shows there. It's not you know there's people are are geared up for music. They want to be in that three dimensional musical Good. space yeah. and. And it's not just for you know people who are big stars and yeah. stuff. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, I talked to I, I talked to um. You ever cross paths with the Crooked Jades? Yeah, I've, I'm only actually like, you're all up in that tour paths type thing, but, yeah. but not like I don't know them personally. Yeah, well, I interviewed friends um, friends, so. Jeff from the band uh, six months ago, and he was just saying it was you know we love playing here in the Bay Area, and but but there weren't that many good places to play. Yeah, he goes and we go over over to Europe, and he goes they put us up and. They can afford to like yeah. do a profitable tour and really play a lot of places. Yeah, so yeah, and, and, and the people, you know, you can get a hundred to two hundred to three hundred seat room, and people people come out. Yeah. There seems to be a gap here. It's like you either have like a small room or you have the Fillmore. Yeah, it's There's either, not it's, a lot I know, of room. To me, it seems like before we recorded, we were talking about house concert. I think it seems like either it's a house concert with thirty-five to forty wonderful people, and the right. host that puts it on, it's a labor of love. Yeah. Um, and those are like the best venues around here to play. Or there's a big hall, and you got to really work and get to a certain level to be able to play those places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a certain. It, it is definitely. It's a mystery. Yeah. It's a mysterious. It's a mysterious. So you play where you can. Work. <laughs> yeah. It's a, so. Yeah. yeah. But I do. I'm I'm out on the road quite a bit, but it's cool. I like it a lot. I'll put links up with the podcast along to your CDs and the tour itinerary. People can go to your mailing list and sign up. Yeah, there's a little postcard. If you go on the site, there's a little postcard to fill out. Um, but that's that's also the big thing is just getting people to – what I've learned is getting people to know about when the shows are is, mm-hmm. the, is the biggest thing. And then yeah. when it's all grassroots, it just comes from people yep. telling people. Yep. And that's it's the, the most successful. Yep, it sure is. completely works. Cool. Yep, yep, yep. Let's hear a couple of songs. All right, you bet. You know, I've been doing these interviews now for a little less than two years, and really the whole point in doing them is it's just a lot of fun. But along with that, when you meet people like Corinne West, who has a great story like she has, I, I, besides learning a lot about what I'm trying to do with this music thing, also it's, you know, talking to Corinne, I think I'm on the right track. <laughs> so that was Corinne West talking about how she ended up becoming the solo artist she is. Also, I wanted to stress that that, that, that first CD becoming a business card is really important. I found that in my own playing. I was, I've been running an open mic here in town for about five and a half years. And I was playing a little bit out before that with my own songs, but really getting the first you know chunk of songs on a CD where I could hand people and go, okay, this is what I sound like, this is what I do, this is what I write. It's really, really important. I have a lot of friends who are 
working on their first CD or a friend of mine, Greg Kito, just finished his first CD and he also discovered that really having that disc to hand to people really opens up a lot of things for you. And I think it's, it's more validating too. It's like, look, I am a songwriter. This is what I do. So it's, it's pretty important. Speaking of uh, letting people know about the shows, I want to let you know again that if you go to my site, michaelgather.com, and click on shows, there's a complete list of everything we're doing in October and November. A lot of local things. And if you, again, if you want to find out about my new CD, Dog Speed, on my music page, there's a little preview of that on the music player called Dog Speed Preview. But we're not done with this talk with Corinne West. That was part one, kind of learning about where she came from as an artist. Now we're going to hear her and her band play a little bit. So if you're on my website, michaelgaythrough.com, just click on the link below the link where you found this one, and you'll see part two. If you're up on iTunes, you'll get the next link in probably about a week or so. And if you're listening on Grateful Dread Radio back in Baltimore, thanks for tuning in. And this will probably be the show that you hear next Friday at 7.30 p.m. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening. If you have any comments about this interview, this series, things you'd like me to do or try to do a show about, send me an email, michael at michaelgaither.com. And uh, for that same address, if you want to find out what's coming up on Songs of Stories, send me an email as well. I'll put you on the mailing list. Thanks for listening. Take care. <laughs>